your home of the pins and the best pins coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. When you fill in for the Mark Madden Show, you hope for one thing and one thing only. That, if you are in for Mark on a given day, you get Conway's wings delivered. Well, that happened today, but by the time I got here at 1230, there was one wing left. One sad, lonely, outcast chicken wing. So, of course, I ate it. But that sad, lonely, outcast chicken wing sort of reminded me of Pirates utility man Josh Harrison. Like, he woke up and looked around and said, How am I still here all by myself? Somebody eat me. And I bet you that's not the first time Josh Harrison thought about that with Pirates management. I am Tim Benz from the Pittsburgh Trib, ESPN Pittsburgh, and the Steelers Radio Network. In for Mark today. If you are watching the Olympics, and if you are... Maybe you're alone. Well, we already have three Olympic stars, and they're all women. Girl power. The whole world these days, it's all about girl power. Ocean's 8, the new Star Wars, another Laura Croft Tomb Raider reboot, that Natalie Portman movie where she shoots everything that moves. But the three big stars of the Olympics so far are Canadian ice-dancing porn star Tessa Virtue, Super hot Russian curler Anastasia Brizgolava, or something like that. And now, American loser Emily Sweeney. She had a wipeout so extreme and so grand in its lead up, it, it looked like a DUI chase on cops. She swerved in like giant S curves for five or six seconds until she flew off the sled and crashed. If you could take the Pitt Panther basketball season and turn it into seven seconds of video replication, that's what it would have been. A long, winding, horrifying, disastrous crash into a wall. Oh, and we will talk about Pitt basketball in just a little bit. And unlike Kevin Stallings, Emily Sweeney will be just fine. But stick with the Olympics. Are you watching without NHL hockey at the games? Do you care? Are you paying attention because... I'm not, and I don't. I'm sure Mike Pursuta and I will argue about this later tonight when I'm on ESPN Pittsburgh for the RMU Hockey Show because you know how he is. If there's USA across the chest, it matters. And sure, to a certain degree, it does. But here's the problem. The Olympics, Well, here's what they have to face without NHL players. Everybody knows you aren't getting the best possible version of what's available. It's not so much... Name recognition, although that matters. It's not watered-down feelings over nationalism, although compared to the Cold War, that's true. It's not a flagging brand name for the Olympics, although I do believe that's very much a factor, too. But it's just so hard to sell a marked-down version of what's available in any sport on any level. Like, for instance, I'm more inclined to watch the women than I am the men at this point, because at least I know the best at their sport are actually participating against one another. At least in the world championships for the men, made up and phony as they may be, 
I'm at least watching the best from each country, even if the event doesn't have those five interlocking rings on it. And that's the problem with international men's hockey right now. The best event, the Olympics, doesn't have the best players. The best players playing against one another isn't in the best event. Before the pros played in Olympic basketball, I at least knew I was watching our best amateurs versus the best of everybody else. Same thing with hockey back in the early 80s. But so what? At least then I knew it was the best of what we had to offer. Now, though, I know that's not the case. Now, though, I just know I'm watching guys who simply aren't good enough to be playing anywhere else more important aside from maybe the four college kids on the team. And even if some of them aren't the best of that age group, you want to see them participating in what is supposed to be the best possible venue. Like the college kids, for instance. You could get drafted at 18, so even some of them aren't involved in this because they might be already in the NHL. So I ask you hockey fans, hockey fans, not just Penguin fans, but hockey fans, is the men's Olympics for hockey meaningless to you without NHL players? And are the Olympics meaningless to you without top-level men's hockey? Because to me, they are. I watch the events on the Olympic broadcast basically because they suck me in due to me watching hockey and you get cross-promotion, or I watch them by accident around the hockey games themselves. But you tell me, are the Olympics meaningless to you without top-level men's hockey? And is that top-level men's Olympic hockey meaningless to you because, you know, it ain't top-level? 412-333-9939. You can also tweet me, if you like, at Tim Benz PGH. If you can't tell, yes, I am someone who wishes that the NHL and the IOC could have worked something out. I do understand why it didn't happen, but it was a business decision. And, and let's cut through the BS. All this pragmatic or intangible stuff like, well, we don't want to shut down the league for three weeks or scheduling or injury risk or insurance and travel cost, which the IIHF said it would have covered that. Don't listen to all that stuff. All that could have been or was going to be worked out before faceoff. Like, here, I'll give you an exchange that I just saw on Twitter before we got on the air today. And this is between uh, Darren Drager and Alex Ovechkin on TSN. Darren asks, Alex, watching the Olympics? Nope. Not going to watch hockey or otherwise? Eh, maybe hockey, but, you know, thanks, Bettman. So that's how the players feel. Even a guy like Alexander Ovechkin, who all of us are prone around here to hate, I bet you there's a lot of hockey fans who agree with that sentiment right now. This was all about money. And, like, money that we're not talking about in terms of $8 million contracts for really good players. I'm not talking about that kind of money. I'm talking about distribution on television, marketing share dollars, percentage of profits, ability to use video on various NHL platforms. That's what this is about. And that's why it's a shame it's not happening. You know, I do laugh at those who say it hurts the game to shut down the league for three weeks. No, it doesn't. It makes scheduling harder, sure. It also gives every player not playing three weeks of rest. They did it before, and the league didn't collapse. This whole thing about, well, 
this is prime time for people to start caring about hockey now that football is over. Yeah, it is. Okay, so is anyone in Denver changing their schedule to watch Penn Sens tonight? No. Is anybody in Pittsburgh going to change their schedule for Avs versus Red Wings? Uh, No. Might they have done so if it was USA Sweden? Yeah, they would have. This is not a growth of the NHL argument. This is a growth of the game argument. And when the NHL talks about growing the game, sometimes it does so and it seems to be meaningful. Like this study that they're trying to do to see, for instance, uh, if they can find more college teams in good markets. Like they're kind of bankrolling the study to see if they can grow the game on the college level to have more people get involved in hockey and like hockey beyond just the NHL. So there it's kind of meaningful, right? But but this isn't a growth of the game argument versus the growth of the NHL brand debate. It's just about the NHL. And that's why they are where they are, and that's what Ovechkin is talking about. When the NHL says we didn't get the residual marketing bump or rating spike we wanted in the Olympics in those years versus non-Olympic years, let's be transparent. They weren't expecting it. No Tom, Dick, or Harry in Buffalo, New York, who isn't prone to have done so in the first place, was going to watch a Blackhawks-Kings playoff game in May in Olympic year just because he saw Jonathan Taves play for Team Canada back in February. Our brains don't work that way. That was never going to happen, and the league knew that. They're talking about, in their minds, more tangible things like shares of marketing dollars and stuff to that extent. They're talking about licensing and dollars and cents. And, you know, when everybody talks about how the Olympics don't have that amateur feel anymore or things like that, isn't that all the more exemplified by what we're talking about now? And now, there are no pros in there. Or they are pros, I take that back. They're not, they're not true amateurs, aside from a few notable exceptions. So let's get your thoughts on that. Again, 412-333-9939. Got a bunch of calls lined up already. Rick, John, Ryan, you guys will lead things off when we come back. Also, when we return, something very interesting. We'll get to the hockey thoughts, and then I'll give you a couple of interesting items about pit basketball. Something you may never see again at a pit basketball game and something you never saw before. All that to come when we come back. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden today. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. SG, hola, good sir. Hola. Hey, Mark, how you doing? My solution is, give me my cake and eat me, too. The X at 105.9. Here's a tweet from John G. The Olympics are meaningless, period. I would much rather watch the Penguins with the Stanley Cup or win the Stanley Cup than watch Canada with Sidney Crosby win a gold medal. Well, no kidding. Who asked that? I, I, I never asked that. I didn't say gold medal versus Stanley Cup. And furthermore, is that how it works? It's only meaningful if we win? So, like, is the Stanley Cup not meaningful this year if the Penguins don't win it? But the Olympics are only meaningful if the USA wins. It's not meaningful if Sid wins it for Canada. Is that how the game works? Because that seems a lot less fun that way. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Like, this is kind of where we go sometimes we get on this conversation. It's what we want and how we want it when it comes to the Olympics versus the National Hockey League. And 
I get it. The injury risk, fine. I understand. If that's what this is really all about, if that was really the reason and the only reason why the NHL wasn't participating, I'd understand their stance more. But it's nothing but a bottom-line cost situation like everything else. Yes, I'd rather be watching Olympic hockey tonight, too. I just wouldn't want any Penguins involved since I don't want them getting hurt. So Kessel could participate since he never gets hurt anyway. That'd be fine. And he'd be playing for Team America. I mean, yes, I am a Penguin fan first and an international hockey fan, a distant, gosh, third at this point because of my association with RMU. I've gotten to the college game so much more. But honestly, I'd rather have Olympic hockey with the NHLers on tonight than Penn Sens. I'll get Penn Sens in mid-March instead of mid-February. So what? I don't need it this Tuesday night as much as I'd rather see Team USA versus the Czech Republic. Tonight, I would be inclined to be more red, white, and blue than I am black and gold. How about you? 412-333-9939. I said I'd get some calls on this. We got some interesting nuggets about pit basketball coming up as well. Let's get to Rick, who's calling from his car. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. Uh, you kind of took away my steam with your open this time, but... You didn't even mention it in your whole opening segment. Is is the injury factor? I mean, that's the argument to make. Is why you know why do I want to send my best players to, to Olympic games where I wouldn't have compensation going into a Stanley Cup run if it's our third run or if it's the Capitals or why would anybody want to lose their best players? Well, remember the Double IHF said it would cover insurance costs and would also. I understand it doesn't do anything for the salary cap in that given year, but you know the NHL didn't seem to care about that in previous years. That's my point. It's not about the injury factor. They don't care about the injury factor as much as they want you to think because that makes it sound like they care about the ga- their own game, their own players, their own rosters more than anything else, and that makes sense to the layman. But honestly, based on what you are seeing, why then were they allowing it to happen in the past? Were they didn't care about rosters back Every other Olympics since 1994. I mean, the risk was still there in 1994, right? Yeah, but I think I, I think it's it's purely that right now. Is that you don't want to send your best player. You want to send Crosby over there to play more games now? But they did. For, That's for my point. They did. Rick, they did. They they did. Like Sidney Crosby wasn't as marketable and valuable to them back in 2010. I mean, they did it. So obviously, they whatever concern you're claiming that they had, they shelved it for a while because they thought they could get something out of it. And they didn't get what they wanted to out of it, so they've changed their mind. You know, this altruistic thing of we just don't want our guys to get hurt, it it sounds like it makes sense in concept. That's very selfish. I'm very selfish about that, yeah. Uh, Well, so am I. I get it. We just talked about it. But uh, again, I reiterate, they didn't seem to care in the past. So what, all of a sudden now, here in 2018, they realized, oh, these guys could get hurt? No, come on. Ryan and Plum, you're on 105.9 The X. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say that um, I guess being a fan of the NHL and everything that they do, like you said, I, w- I would personally much rather watch Penn Sense tonight than something else. But so for me, this is sort of, I tried to think of a feeling, this is sort of like a, if your company canceled the Halloween party or something. This is like not a big deal to me. And like you said... Your company has a Halloween party. Well, if they did... I, I, well, that's I why I want to work for your company. I mean, we, we used to have a Halloween party on the Gateway Clipper around here, then the Hard Rock Cafe, but uh, is that still the case, Bob? Do we still have one? Yay, nay? No. See, that's would you what I'm be talking bummed about. out if it were not around? Yes, I would be bummed out if the Halloween party wasn't around. I would like to go to the Halloween party. In fact, sir, where do you work? I, 
I work at a media company, actually. Oh, do you? All right. So yeah. where where is your Halloween party? We I don't know if we have one, and see, I guess it wouldn't matter if they canceled it anyway because I just don't care. I what care would you go dressed as, Gary Bettman? I would probably go dressed as I, I don't know, maybe maybe Yager or like ninety three. I don't know. See, I did go dressed as an out-of-work hockey player one year for a Halloween party when we were doing that for 105.9 The X. I did. When they were striking, I went as an out-of-work, hungry hockey player. And I had a hockey stick with a sign on it that said, we'll face off for food. Listen, Moon Township, you're on 105.9 The X. Hi. Um, So I will admit I'm not the most educated on the issue, but from what I have seen in other, um, like, news brackets and from reading up on the NHL specific issue is the IOC used to pay for the insurance. And the IIIHF said it would back in like July. Yeah, and all of a sudden the International Olympic Committee, which is supposed to be like one of the most corrupt sports committees ever, all of a sudden this year decided they didn't want to pay for the NHL but again, if the IAAHF, sorry, the IIHF said that they would cover it, then what's the concern? I think it's a principal issue. I think it's basically... No, it's not a principal It's not a principal issue. It's a money issue. It's a marketing topic. issue. They're upset that they can't use some of the highlights on their platforms and things like that. That's what they're upset about. You know, again, like everything else we've talked about, they've overcome in the past. And they would like to overcome in the future, to be honest with you. They just haven't gotten there yet. You know, again, the injury factor, like the first guy brought up, as we all know, they were just as much at risk for injury before, and they played them anyway. 412-333-9939. Hey, by the way, tonight, while you are watching Penn Sense, something going on at the Peterson Event Center that you might never see again. A Kevin Stallings ACC win. If this is, in fact, his last year, this might be one of his last chances to get one against Boston College, even though I'd say this, Boston College probably should still win this game. Uh, But uh, honestly, Boston College probably should win this game. It's something you haven't seen before. They're now not introducing Kevin Stallings anymore in pregame introductions because he's getting booed too much. They have stopped introducing the coach at the Pete because he's getting booed that much. That's how bad it's gotten for Pitt basketball. We'll get more to that a little bit later. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Coming up next, Penn Sends Talk with Gord Wilson. It's called Every Senator's Game on TV or Radio Since the Club's Inception in 1992. He's next here on The X. This is Ian Cole of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Thanks, Ian. But Mark off today. Tim Ben's in for Mark. We've got a game coming up here on The X tonight. Senators and Penguins. Boy, that had a huge game feel in mid-May when the Pens and Sens were battling it out for the Eastern Conference Championship. Joining us right now to discuss this year and how things look for the Senators against the Penguins, it's Gord Wilson. He's called every Senators game on TV or radio since the club's birth back in 1992. Gord, thanks so much for taking some time to join us. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I think we did this maybe uh, the last time was the 25th of May, uh, the last time uh, Ottawa was in Pittsburgh, this wonderful city. So what's it like being back? And with that background I just described, how tough has it been to call the games or you know just follow the Senators this year with the way the season has gone as opposed to last year, which ended after such a very good playoff run for the club? 
painfully tough, and I don't speak as a broadcaster, but if you're a fan of a hockey team, the expectations were obviously quite high based on what the team did last year. Uh, caught lightning in a bottle and went all the way to the Eastern Conference Final, obviously against the Penguins, and came within a goal of going to the Stanley Cup. That uh, made it painfully tough uh, to go through the summer, but then add to the misery is the fact that this team just did not get off to a good start, or not... I shouldn't say get off to a good start. I guess they just kind of muddled their way through the month of November. And uh, it's interesting to note, just doing my homework today, um, the one and only time that these two teams met this year was back on the 16th of November. And that started a seven-game losing streak for Ottawa. The Senators lost 3-1 to one to Pittsburgh, and it was right after they came back from um, a week-long visit to Sweden where they played a couple of games there. They fell 3-1 to one to Pittsburgh on the Thursday that they got back, and they have not been able to get any traction since. And it's been doubly painful and disappointing, as I said. Yeah, second lowest point total in the East, second fewest wins in the East. Goal differential not good at minus 44. And Gord, it looks like the worst part about it has been on the road. I mean, they've actually held their own to a degree at home, but on the road, it's been rough. Was it just seven road wins this far? That might be. Is that the fewest in the National Hockey League, or at least the fewest in the East? Yeah, I believe it's the fewest in the East. Uh, yeah, you know that's um, uh, with all due respect, semantics here because it's 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 been tough to watch the team at home. To be very honest with you, at times as well this year, their home record is twelve, eleven, and five. So not much better, to be quite honest with you. Um, as I said, there's been a number of things that have contributed to uh, where the team is and why the team is where it's at. Uh, goaltending, defense, forward position, you name it, all three zones of the ice have been a struggle for Ottawa. And, uh, you know, confidence is a funny thing. Once you have it, it's, uh, it, it's something you don't want to give up. Once you lose it, it's something that is extremely difficult to find and get back. And uh, as I said, about mid-November, they started to lose some confidence and uh, and lose their way, and they've just not been able to find their way back. Gord Wilson with us, Senators play-by-play man, joins us here on 105.9 The X. Well, I want to follow up on that comment you just made about how it's been all three zones on the ice. Let's work from the goal out. Uh, Condon tonight, it looks like, Gord, and talk yeah. to me about both guys, both him and Anderson. Why hasn't that duo worked the way that it did last year? It's interesting because I think there were a lot of the so-called experts who thought at the start of the season that this combo of Anderson and Condon would be one of the top combinations, goaltending combinations, um, in certainly the Eastern Conference, if not the NHL. And for whatever reason, um, things have not gone well for both goaltenders up until probably three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. We were talking about a combined team save percentage of under 900 and obviously you can't win uh, a share of games or your your share of games uh, by not getting a save percentage from one or two if not both of your goaltenders upwards of 915 to 920 right now they're just peaking at 902 for Anderson and 904 for Mike Condon there have been um specific areas of the game where the Senators have not performed well in front of their goaltenders, and there have been specific areas of the game where the goaltenders have just simply let them down. And um, uh, that's blunt and brash, but it's unfortunate that that is the news. Um, they, they, they have not got consistent, quality, top-notch goaltending 
uh, this season from either one of the two goalies. Gore, like I said, from the goal out, let's get to the blue line next. How has Carlson been, and what about the supporting cast of defensemen around him? Well, you can start with the loss of Mark Mathot right off the get-go and the, to uh, Vegas in the expansion draft and subsequent trade to Dallas. He was their number two defenseman and has been paired up with Eric Carlson for the last five years. I think the team found out very quickly how sorely he has been missed, and it's been a miss all season long. He was an established, obviously, an established NHL player and a regular partner for a number of years for Carlson. That being said, Eric has off-season surgery. He doesn't get a chance to go through a training camp. He doesn't get a chance to basically train in the off-season. He misses the first five games of the year, where the Senators actually did fairly well, and then comes back, and um, the expectations on him from himself and from everybody around him uh, were that he would pick up where he left off, and that just wasn't the case. And I think it's safe to say, certainly through the first um, three series of the playoffs last year, Eric was... Uh, a contender for the Conn Smythe Trophy, and um, he was that good. Um, the off-season ankle surgery did not help, obviously. The fact that he missed the training camp and uh, and all the time to train in the off-season has not helped his cause as well. And uh, very similar to an old Ottawa captain in Daniel Alfredson, he's just one of those players that uh, sometimes doesn't realize less is more, and he tries at times to do too much. And obviously the supporting cast around him has changed, and um, that hasn't helped. A couple guys up front. It looks like Stone has had himself a nice season, or at least when he's been able to play, he's been good. And I've always liked Hoffman's game, but is he just not responsible enough two-way? What's your take on those two players? Well, Mark has been uh, a consummate professional. There's no question that um, he is one of the leaders of the hockey club and uh, follow me over the cliff kind of guy. He's uh, not afraid to speak his mind. And um, obviously, um, he has been a huge, huge part to the team's success in the past. Um, he's their leading point getter and leading goal getter at 18 goals and 46 points. But at the same time, um, like so many others on the team, uh, he can only do so much, and uh, there needs to be a better supporting cast. I don't think the team has had any problems whatsoever with Mark Stone from the opening face-off of the opening of the season to uh, where he is now. He has missed some time with a knee injury, uh, but um, was back against uh, the Leafs on Saturday and seemed to pick up where he left off. As for Mike Hoffman, uh, one of the pure goal scorers in the NHL. There's no question about that. His release is as good as any in the NHL, um, and he has that ability to score goals. But at the same time, um, uh, his defensive zone play can wane, and um, that has been at times an issue. And um, uh, with that in mind, though, I think sometimes uh, it can be overlooked uh, when you play on a team that is and has been as offensively challenged as the Senators have been this year. I think they're ranked 26th in the NHL right now, uh, in the goals for department on average per game, Mike has 15 goals of the 144 that they have, um, and obviously um, they they need that help offensively. They need that uh, uh, that presence on the ice from him, but he's got to have a stronger presence all over the ice, basically. Since color man Gord Wilson with us, he's done every Senators game on TV or radio since the club came into the NHL back in 1992. I'm sorry, Gord, just to follow up, just, is this Stone's second game back or third game back tonight? Uh, he came back against the Leafs, so this is his second, second game, game back. Second game back, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, 
All right, now, I've, I've sort of set this up and kept people waiting here, but i got to get your take on two guys that have been discussed here in Pittsburgh quite a bit because there's a sense that the Senators, of course, mm-hmm. might make some moves to the deadline. Two guys that have come up a lot in Pittsburgh conversations have been Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Derek Broussard. A, what have you thought of their games thus far this year? B, how do you think they'd fit here in Pittsburgh? Well, I think anybody would fit in Pittsburgh, to be very honest with you. I think <laughs> these two certainly would. Um, I know the, the, the third-line centerman's role is uh, one that comes into question uh, with the Penguins. I don't have any doubt that either one could fill the role. Derek Broussard elevated his game uh, tremendously in postseason play last year. He got a reputation uh, uh, as being a uh, very prominent um, big game player. I think he earned the nickname Big Game Brass in New York and um, uh, certainly had some big games for Ottawa in postseason play last year. J.G. Pajot is of similar ilk in terms of um, how he can and has had the ability to rise to the occasion in bigger games. Um, he's a great two-way centerman and a good penalty killer. Not that the Penguins need much more help than the penalty kill, but uh, Pajot could certainly help in that regard. Uh, and Derek could fill a role. There's no doubt about that. Both have some term left on their contracts. Um, I don't know uh, what the asking price would be. I think for either one, it would be high. I think if, uh, and this is just me speculating here, but I think if the general manager of the Ottawa Senators uh, had to flip a coin between either one, if the offers uh, were the same for both players, uh, I would think that uh, Ottawa's GM would want to hang on to J.G. Pajot perhaps um, a little longer than that of Derek Broussard, but that's just me speculating. Yeah, well, why is that? Why do you think that's the case? Uh, well, I think uh, Derek is a little bit older and makes a little bit more money, and uh, uh, at 25 years of age, there's still lots and lots of hockey uh, left in J.G. Pajot, and as I said, um, uh, an extremely popular, and both are Ottawa natives, so they're both extremely popular in the nation's capital. Um, I, I think just based on age and um, and cost right now, uh, the Senators would probably err on the side of youth and uh, less expensive. Final few moments here with Gord Wilson joining us here on 105.9 The X Pens and Sends this evening. Uh, Gord, just to wrap up here, when you saw the goal go in from Chris Kunitz in overtime, double overtime of Game Seven mm-hmm. against Ottawa, did I mean, did you <laughs> yeah. get the sense like, oh, okay, I'm going to flash back here. This is my, maybe going back. Well, it is going back to when the Sens first started in '92. Like when when the Pirates got eliminated by Francisco Cabrera on a similar play, that's it. Boom, it's over. Heartbreak. Yeah. I knew it was going to go in the tank for like 20 years. I was right. Like, you couldn't have felt that this was just going to happen and the legs were going to get cut out from under the team so immediately after that. Like, I, I still thought the Senators were going to be pretty good this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody thought that. Expectations were high, and I think for a good reason. The young team uh, that, as I said earlier, got caught lightning in a bottle, basically, but took full advantage of it. They took full advantage of it, though, because they had players who had the ability to do that, and they still have players who have the ability to do that. I think they're one of seven teams right now as it stands that uh, uh, if the playoffs were to start today, they're on the outside looking in as are six other teams that were playoff bound last year as well. It's <laughs> And a few members of the Penguins talked about it today when asked about the Ottawa Senators. The response has been the same all everywhere we've gone. This is a tough league. This is a very difficult league to win in and be as consistent as you possibly can. 
I think you can win when you've got two or three guys that might be having off years, when you've got half a dozen to a dozen players who are having off years, uh, you don't stand too much of a chance to um, to get back to where you want to be. Well, Gord, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, appreciate the time, and obviously the stakes won't be what they were back in May, as you alluded to earlier, but hopefully it'll at least be a fun game this evening. We'll see you at the rink, okay? Always fun here in Pittsburgh, and thanks for having me on the air here today. Uh, lots of fun. Thanks, Gord. That's Senator's analyst Gord Wilson on the TV or radio ever since the club came back to uh, Ottawa, got hockey back in the NHL back in 92. All right, uh, when we come back, you know, i got to get back into that Pitt basketball thought. I want to do that. Uh, we got to talk about Pitt and Penn State somewhat too, but interesting nugget coming out from Boston. Apparently, a career change for Rob Gronkowski is, quote, ine- inevitable. Yes, inevitable career change for Gronk. We'll tell you about that next when we return. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their mock might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh yes. The X at 105.9. Major breaking news in Pittsburgh right now. Apparently, according to Kara Sapida at WPXI down in Washington County, Someone stole the Schwantz Meats truck, and they did so after stealing a golf cart first? Do we have the actual report? Tonight, police are on the lookout for the burglar who stole a golf cart from a local business, drove it a good seven miles down Route 136 (laughs) here behind me, got here to the Schwantz facility in town, and that's where they say he broke in and stole a Schwantz truck leaving the golf cart in its place. That truck, which is huge and costs about $70,000, is still missing, and police are searching for the suspect. If the folks at Schwantz have a sense of humor, they'll still make all their meat deliveries in the golf cart. Seven miles on the golf cart. That's impressive. Not a lot going on at 136 today, I guess. No one pulled them over? Like, that kind of stands out, does it not? If you steal the golf cart... And there's like an APB out there for a stolen golf cart, and you're going seven miles. Someone should be able to identify and capture said golf cart by then, no? And then, you swap it out for a $70,000 meat truck? Like, who's not getting their meat as a result of this jagoff who stole the Schwantz's meat truck? I will say this, though. I'm starving right now since I got no Conway's wings earlier. If he wants to deliver the meat up to Green Tree, he could just deliver the meat to Green Tree, swap it out for my Jeep, and I swear to God, I won't tell anybody. Tim, let me jump in here. If they stole the Schwantz truck, then they definitely know who stole the Kishka. <laughs> so that was Kara Sapida. Thank you very much, Kara, for the report. Bob retweeted that on Twitter at Madden Producer, and uh, you can see her at WPXI Kara. Uh, more on this developing story as it happens. We'll keep an eye and let you know. If, if anybody has seen either A, the golf cart, or the missing Schwantz's meat truck, tweet us at Tim Ben's PGH or Bob at Madden Producer. If anyone can lo- send a picture, if you can locate the sh- we want to help. This is us helping here. The, hashtag Schwantz truck. Yes. Hashtag Schwantz truck. We need to find the missing Schwantz truck somewhere. Now, furthermore... I think this is like Pittsburgh's answer to that Philadelphia doofus who ate the horse chip. Don't you think after the Super Bowl? Like some guy drunk and was day drinking on a Tuesday with his buddies 
and said, I dare you to take that golf cart and swap it out with the Schwanstruck. I dare you. That Schwanstruck is being driven around just with somebody with a BAC of like .57. He's going to be swerving like that girl in the Olympics on the luge. So be careful. If the Schwanstruck sneaks up behind you right now and they're tailgating, they're not in a hurry to deliver sausage. They're bombed. Speaking of the Super Bowl, was that Rob Gronkowski's last game as a New England Patriot? Well, we'd like to think so. I know that. I'm not ready to believe that yet, but according to TMZ Sports, WWE star Mojo Rawley says that it's just a matter of time before Gronk leaves the Patriots and goes to professional wrestling. Are you kidding, he said. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Come on now. I don't know, I can't speak for him, whatever he wants to do. He sort of couches it at the end. But this is like the latest follow-up of Gronk saying he's going to retire. Look, here's what we should all do. Like, we should, like, band together as a city and just, like, bombard Gronk on Twitter, Instagram, whatever he uses. Like, get his family, who still is in the area, and tell him. Pittsburgh will be his biggest, whatever wrestling suited him he wants to take on, whatever wrestling persona he wants, he wants to be a babyface and be a good guy, we'll show up in droves and wave our terrible towels if he gets the hell out of the league. That, that's all I want. Sure, be a bad wrestler. I will be your biggest fan. I'll buy all your merch. I'll buy your t-shirts. I'll download your entrance music. Whatever you want. Just get out of the league. Please. 412-333-9939. But they are salty in Boston right now. I told you about everything else that was going on with like the Boston media versus the Patriots. It's like a war. It happened again today. That Marquise Flowers guy, did you see the, the grenade he lobbed at Greg Bedard, who was kind of like the uh, Dayon Kovacevic of Boston. He has like a DKPittsburghSports.com site, Boston Sports Journal. He was ripping flowers the way he played and Belichick's usage of him in the Super Bowl. And his response back to him is, shut up. Bill's got more rings than you've had women. How would he know that? All right, when we come back, uh, Jonathan Bambouli said something very interesting about our Sidney Crosby, Mario Lemieux discussion yesterday. I'll give you the results of the web poll that we ran about that. Also, I promised I'd follow up on the thoughts about Kevin Stallings and Pitt basketball, and we need to get into Pitt-Penn State football and that rivalry dissolving as well. We'll do all that starting in just 30 seconds. Here on 105.9 The X.